You're listening to Multi New Media, the technology show for business, media, marketing, and education. This is episode 24 for the week of Monday, November 2nd, 2015. Our topic today will be unmanned and autonomous flying vehicles, otherwise known as drones. Hi there to all of our listeners. I'm Chase Raz, the host of Multi New Media, and I just reviewed this episode, episode 24, prior to releasing it for your listening pleasure. One thing I've noticed about every audio show ever, including ours, is that when someone is really proud of an episode, they tend to call it out in the opening. You'll hear the standard, we have a great episode for you today. I'm guilty. I say that often, and I believe that for almost almost being an operative word there, almost every episode we put out for you to enjoy, learn from, interact with, or even just pass the time with. Now, we're not perfect, but we're excited to be learning and growing with you. I've often wondered, however, what would someone say if the episode were good, but some other classification took higher billing? Today, I get to answer that question for myself. Hopefully, the host would alter the introduction and say something like this, and bear with me, I'm going to cater my statement to our specific situation. Hi there, everyone. We have one heck of a plot twist for you today, and by the time you're done listening to this episode, you may be a little confused. Alright, what do I really mean by that? In this episode, Chris Ayers, the multi-new-media technical co-host, will join me and we'll discuss airborne drones for the first time on this show. How is that confusing? Well, it's it's not throughout most of the episode, and I truly do believe that we have a strong, enjoyable, and informative show that adds value to the conversation on drones, especially in the fields of retail, agriculture, logistics, and transportation. Now, by the end of the show, however, Chris and I will try to help you out as our beloved listener to provide you with information on what you need to do if you're interested in starting to research or test drones, maybe personally or commercially will likely amuse you as we scramble to get on the same page and correct for the fact that our research provided two distinctly different sets of drone rules, despite the fact that we utilized the exact same resource, the horse's mouth, so to speak, as our information, both of our sets of information come directly from the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA. It will be extremely clear that the fault is not ours. We did our research, despite often on this show pretending not to do research because we're quote-unquote just that good. Long story short, in the United States, the common consensus is that the FAA is holding up research, development, and introduction of drones in the U.S. Not intentionally, just through bureaucratic whatever. Late in this episode, you'll hear us seemingly find different sets of rules for operation, and we found each set directly from the FAA. While we quickly come up with the agreement that one set of rules applies for drones that are piloted and treated as model airplanes, and the other set of rules applies to semi- or fully autonomous drones, we just want to admit that we're not even 100% sure of that conclusion. Later in 2015, or maybe next year in 2016, 
The FAA will be publishing regulations for drone operation in the United States. But for now, between the time that this episode was recorded and published, which I promise you was only a couple of days, the FAA has assembled a group called the UAS Registration Task Force. UAS meaning Unmanned Aircraft System. This lets us know that the FAA is looking at a registration system for all drones in the United States, which I think is perfectly fine, provided that registering a drone is as simple as registering, say, a domain name or for an amateur radio license. Now, we may be in luck because this task force is comprised of key individuals in drone-centric businesses and industries that include uh, reps from Amazon, Best Buy, GoPro, Google X, Parrot and Precision Hawk, both of those uh, last two are uh, drone manufacturers. And on this list is a whole host of industry associations for pilots, as well as for manufacturers of airplanes and helicopters and others in the aerospace industry. Okay, so for now I think we have everything covered and that everyone's up to speed. But to recap very briefly, I'm your host, Chase Raz. I'll be joined by technical co-host Chris Ayers to discuss drones today. We believe our show to be an excellent and enjoyable show for you, but it gets confused at the end, although not quite confusing, thanks to the United States Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA. The FAA is currently asking pilots, drone makers, and major tech and retail companies for input, which probably should have been solicited years ago. Anyway, that's enough of an introduction. So for now, let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, I'm Chase Raz, and this is episode 24 of Multi New Media. With me today, as is often the case, is Chris Ayers. Chris, you doing all right today? Oh, I'm doing great. How's it going today? Um, today, pretty well. Uh, <laughs> yesterday was a little bit different of a day. Had some issues around the house to take care of. And uh, boy, isn't home ownership cheap, said no one ever. Which is interesting. Oh, that brings up something I just thought about. Um, did Amazon email you? letting you know that they now offer home services like you can hire a contractor or a carpenter or an electrician through Amazon they did not email me about that <laughs> but I've seen that I, I heard the rollout a couple of weeks ago and um, I've honestly been trying not to pay attention to it. what is that to compete with Angie's list I think so yeah oh poor Angie she's gonna be pushed out by the big boys yeah I the big boys and gals down at Amazon, which I should be fully transparent. I, I live, what now, uh, six miles away from an Amazon warehouse they built last year or earlier this year. So, yeah, I'm a lucky one, and I get to pay, uh, well, you do too, because they're in our state. We get to pay sales tax on uh, Amazon orders now as long as they're fulfilled within the uh, Florida warehouses. Well, that also expands all the options for same-day delivery. It does, but... I'm a little bit mad with a warehouse just down the road and another one a, while, um, uh, a little bit closer over to your area. I will tell you what, my Amazon Prime has been taking more than two days. Mine doesn't. I, I'm not I, thrilled I, with that. My stuff always pretty much shows up on time when I expect it or, you know, just huh. I, I've, I have not had issues. So Amazon is a good place to start today because... What we're coming together to talk about in this episode is the topic of drones. Um, 
basically, what are they? What are they going to be used for? And and again, the whole purpose of our show, why does this matter to us in business, media, marketing, uh, technology, education, the sciences? Why, why does this stuff matter to us? And I think Amazon is a good place to start because we all know that Amazon wants to deliver um, products via drone. Yeah. Um, they had one of the what, FAA exceptions for a little while so that they could test things, but um, I think it's still up in the air. <laughs> no pun intended, right? <laughs> I love that. It's still up in the air, but they're grounded. Uh, yeah, they, they were doing a little bit of testing, and they've petition, petitioned the FAA here in the United States, um, which we'll be talking about a little bit later as well. We'll go over what it takes um, to fly a drone in case anyone's interested in, in uh, a drone. And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that because I even read um, sort of the boiled down, dumbed down edition of the FAA rules. The ones where they're like, hey, stupid, here's how you can figure this out. And I was a little bit perplexed by their answer um, there as well. But I have that information and uh, we'll talk about them again because... Hopefully, we're going to do some searching um, while we're here. Just full disclosure, we're recording back on October 28th. So I know this is um, uh, this episode will be, will be published the next week, but recording on October 28th and today, this very day, someone from the FAA was supposed to be testifying in front of the Senate Appropriations Committee, their Transportation and uh, Housing and Urban Development Subcommittee, because... The FAA missed the deadline to make drones legal. I did not uh, realize that. Yeah, th- back in 2012, the um, this part of the Senate Appropriations Committee, I'm just going to call them T. Uh, I, I don't know if they refer to themselves as T-HUD or THUD because it's a Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development Subcommittee. Um, but that subcommittee gave the FAA... Um, a strict requirement that says, listen, by September 30th, 2015, so they gave them three years, by that date, you have to legalize drones, come up with the framework, come up with all of the rules, all of the this, that, and the other that goes into it. And here it is, um, late October, early November. So FAA Chief Michael Huerta uh, is supposed to be testifying today, but I haven't heard anything coming out of that. So I don't know if it, if it happened um, uh, what happened in that event. And so maybe we can try to look some of that up in real time during our episode today. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I knew that in 2012, they did, the FAA did some updates to their policy, uh, kind of tweaking things a little bit. But since then, drones have been on the news a lot more and there's been a lot more concern about them, uh, so to speak. So, and that's why I think that they needed that update. And uh, Yeah, because right now in the United States, everyone says, uh, and I know this is sort of an, and I do mean everyone says in the, you know, air quotes uh, sense, people say that we're falling behind the rest of the world in drones. Well, we say that about everything, don't we? Um, well, even Neil deGrasse Tyson on his uh, Star Talk radio, just I think last week, they were talking about. People overseas uh, in Europe were using drones to like repair electrical lines, and you know they have no issues using drones to record real estate photographs or do all sorts of things that we kind of can't do 
because the, of some of the regulations. The question I think we should ask is internationally, how much of this is actually happening, though? So for anyone who's uh, out there and kind of thinking, why are we talking about drones? Let me just list a couple of the uses. Agriculture, right? There are places where pesticides, I know that's not necessarily a positive for a lot of our listener base and us included, but the spraying of pesticides, watering crops, a lot of this can be automated through drones and is in certain places uh, on the planet. So delivery, DHL is currently using delivery uh, drones for a very specific route. It's not, you know, what Amazon wants to do or, uh, as we'll talk about later, Walmart. But delivery is in there, whether it's a specific uh, route or whether it's it's sort of asynchronous based on orders. Photography, cinematography, videography, mapping and surveying, looking for traffic updates without having to send helicopters up there, crime prevention, which Nigeria is talking about deploying drones for crime prevention, insurance claims, right? If, if a hurricane comes through, yeah. How how hard is it to deploy insurance um, adjusters and claims reps? It's it's really difficult because the infrastructure is down. Just fly drones, exploration, emergency response, search and rescue, meteorology, climatology, oceanography. I'm going to stop there because I could keep going for a very long time. <laughs> yes, but yes. we have a lot of uses um, that are going to impact quite a few of us, and and I think that's the first question of who's doing this stuff and and where. Well, um, or rather, are we behind? Is that true? I'm not really sure. I, I've seen videos and discussions about things coming out of the universities where they're using autonomous drones, which are not controlled by pilots, are not controlled by people, but are controlled by computer software. You know, working um, in groups, working, you know, communicating wirelessly with each other to work in like swarms. And that's where I've seen some of the research, like out of MIT or, or Caltech or Stanford. I I'm not entirely sure what some of the capabilities are, like commercially with some of the other like manually driven drones, where it's just a camera and a relay back to a, a base station. Are Are you talking about for in city or or out kind of in the in the wild? Well, I mean, the the issue is when you start, it, like you were talking about pesticides. You know, if you're trying to carry a payload, mm -hmm. you're going to start getting bigger drones. Yeah, yeah. If you're, I mean, that's going to be the difference. If you have a 50 acre farm or if you have a 5,000 acre farm, drastically different drone size is going to be required. Uh, absolutely. Right. And so, are we talking about you're sitting in the barn, flying the four foot drone around, or is it you press a button and the four foot drone knows the area of your farm and goes and you know sprays pesticides where it needs to. I think both. Back. I think both are going to be utilized. But right now, where we're really looking is that second option, the latter one that you brought up. Of you push a button and the drone knows uh, through geofencing where it's supposed to go, what route it's supposed to follow, um, the coordinates you've programmed in. Maybe you have certain crops in certain locations that you don't want touched or that you do. Uh, and, and, you know, in agriculture, we already have, um, I hate to say unmanned, I wish we had a different term for that, it seems like a little bit of a sexist term, but um, we already have unmanned farm equipment that doesn't require a driver or a pilot. Um, that would be autonomous. I think that's the best word. Yeah, let's go with that. 
<laughs> so we have it, it's it's not sexist, right? It is again autonomous. It it is not re, you know relying or requiring a pilot or somebody to be there uh, steering it. Yeah. So whether it's um, some type of harvester or or some type of plow. Uh, that equipment is available in the United States and in other places. So I don't know if it's that much of a stretch to say um, that just push a button and let this happen. And I, and I believe that's kind of what uh, Amazon's looking for as well. I mean, I know it's not agriculture, but they're looking for, here's a parcel, here's the location you know it needs to go, get it there. See, there's a difference in... I have a tractor that's driving around on this big field that I own and you know this is starting to open the door with the autonomous vehicles on the roads as well this is a vehicle or a drone or a thing that's going to be flying over houses over people walking over vehicles what if it flies too low and the the blades smack into someone's head what if it flies into a house you know, breaks well, a window. Well, if it does, what if it causes a car crash? That that's some of the concerns. Or flies too high and, and disrupts other planes, like real planes. That is a legitimate concern we're going to have to deal with, and and we're starting to, I think, because you can now purchase, or or it was just announced rather. I don't think you can actually purchase it yet. Uh, if not, it'll be soon. You can purchase drone insurance from AIG. I'm, I, and I'm not kidding. It's already on their site and everything. The press releases went out a, a couple of days before recording. If you go to AIG and then go to their little business tab, not little business, right? It's a small tab that says business, and then click aerospace. So in their aerospace uh, insurance, they have one called Unmanned Aircraft Solutions. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting because a lot of these unmanned or autonomous uh, flying vehicles are referred to as UAS, but those mean unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, right. So, yeah, they're offering these UAS insurance policies for two different things. One, what if you cause physical property damage? And the other is you can actually insure the value of your drone itself, you know, in case your GoPro falls off or whatever. Um, but again, the the bigger market here is for commercial and uh, for what happens if you get, you know, cause property damage. It goes way beyond uh, just your GoPro. Like it used to be, yeah, you, you'd be worried about, you know, four or $500 possibly, you know, oh, I just have this drone hooked up or, you know, my GoPro hooked up to, to some drone. Yeah. I put my quadcopter, sent it out there, remote control. There we go. Uh, and And I'm not. Uh, 100% on the, the cutting edge of stuff, but um, a low-end like DJI Phantom, which was one of the more popular ones where if it loses signal from you, it goes back to the last uh, coordinates from where it took off and where you can kind of program in a route and it'll go fly the route. The, the low-end ones used to be about 900 bucks, $1,000. Yeah. And they had like a little 720p camera. They're like on the Phantom 3 now. And they have fully gimbaled uh, cameras, which are like 4K or 1080p. And mm-hmm. by gimbaled, I mean when you can steer and like point and zoom the camera completely independently of flying and moving the the, the drone. Yeah, they get up to like three thousand dollars, and those are the low end commercial ones. There are drones that are like sixteen blades that weigh. 
you know, 50, 100 pounds, have numerous camera rigs on them, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean... All the way up to uh, the ones that the military uses that are practically the size of a plane, or some of them are size of jet planes. Yeah, some, well, yeah, some of them are. Those are the unmanned aerial vehicles that they use for... You know, like the Predator drones and stuff. Right. But there are ones that, like, soldiers can carry and kind of put together, like, an RC plane. You know, they carry it on their back. They attach the wings and, like, manually throw it and take off and use that to do scouting. And that's probably about the size, you know, four or five feet. Yeah. Yeah, just big enough to deliver an Amazon package. Um, just big enough to deliver some some potentially chemical or water. Um just big enough to put the camera so that you can get filming without having to rent a helicopter. Those types of things are the applications we're talking about here. And I I think they matter uh, particularly because we have to rethink what's possible when we introduce these drones. So we have the ability now to deal with this airspace that's between zero feet and 500 feet. Now, now don't get me wrong. Um, the FAA is very clear about this. A lot of people think that if you're flying under 500 feet, you don't need any type of an, uh, approval. And the FAA says that's absolutely wrong. Um, human-controlled craft have to fly above 500 feet. And so what a lot of potential drone operators like Amazon or agricultural companies are asking for is to say, give us something below that so that we're not going to interfere with human flight that we're not going to interfere with anything that someone may crash into us or vice versa. Um, but the thing is, right now as it stands, and I'm looking up some news, nothing really stellar. The, you know, the testimony today obviously didn't change very much. We still don't have um, you know, the official specs and, and requirements for flying drones here in the United States. Any commercial operation of a drone right now in the U.S., any commercial operation is approved on a get this a case by case basis which is crazy absolutely bonkers to use a british term <laughs> i mean there's there's no other way to put it that it, it is i think um a perfect example of insanity at the you know at at an executive um, it says the oversight. FAA normally aims to respond to petitions and requests within 120 days. 120 days. Uh, to well, the point. The newest one is Walmart. Uh, Walmart yeah. wants to join in the Amazon Let's Deliver by Drones bandwagon. And Walmart's, Walmart's interesting because I don't know if you um, followed any of the news about their uh, petition to the FAA, but they not only wanted to do home deliveries, they also wanted to be able to do curbside pickup. And, uh, and I think Amazon was doing this as well, so I, I won't say this like they're exclusive here. They want to start being able to let these drones go in their warehouses and do inventory. I think that that's actually um, the, the smart thing to do. Um, if you can have um, some image recognition software and drones kind of flying up and down your shelves, you don't have to have an employee take a big machine and, you know, lift some pallets off something to see what's up there or to see how many are there. You can just have a drone fly along. That would probably be a cost saving measure, you know, for either Amazon or Walmart. 
Yeah, and and you know that could potentially eliminate some jobs, but you know, I, I'm I'm a little bit in touch with this because I live in an area where within five miles of me must be ten to twenty large warehouses, and uh, you know, no exaggeration, and I mean large warehouses. So I know a lot of warehouse workers. Um, I'm involved in a community that has a lot of warehouse workers. And when you ask people about doing routine inventory, I don't think anybody at these facilities is going to say, ah, damn, you know, this is going to jeopardize my job. I, I very much get the sense of, you mean I can let this little thing fly around and not have to do that part and can keep focus on, um, you know, the rest of my activities like doing inventory pull and dealing with all the other manual things. I, I think that would be very well received. Plus, it's it's got to be one of the easier things to approve since it's inside yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it, there's a trade-off. I mean, yeah, you might lose some lower-paying jobs that uh, were doing this inventory before, but if you know it's American people, as far as you know our, our country is concerned, doing design or manufacturing, right? You know, there there's going to be maybe some more higher end jobs, which I, I, I don't know if that's good or bad, if, if that's, you know, shifting things around, but it's definitely going to help us get back into an industry. We probably need to start leading. Definitely um, need more people in robotics. And listen, I'm not an expert on this. So if anybody um, has work experience in this area and wants to correct me, um, but Again, from my knowledge of, of warehouse work, uh, inventory, unless you're at a dedicated 3PL facility, uh, third-party logistics, or unless you're you know, a, um, a cross-dock that, that serves multiple companies, there typically don't seem to be too many people who are specifically tasked with inventory. Much more of it is about moving product or, or, um, or doing order pull or repack, or any of those, and, and all of those are highly automated processes as well. But, but again, I actually, um, you know, I don't think that the job impact would be too large of letting drones work on inventory. Uh, there's also going to probably be maintenance work. Absolutely, for, for those as well as you're going to have higher paid, uh, technically leaning jobs. Which, uh, even if you were to displace people, uh, we are talking about a field where. You know, it's a lot like computers in that way of there is a lot to learn. And just because you work with that product doesn't mean you're an expert in it, right? Just because you know how to build a computer doesn't mean you're an expert. Um, We could take the employees who would otherwise be displaced and through some pretty rudimentary job training, make sure that they can transfer their existing skills over to drone repair. And I I really think that'd be, um, quite frankly, if you ask me right now, do I want a, uh, a future doing warehouse inventory or warehouse inventory drone management? I'm going to say that the drone management is going to be more fun. Probably will pay a little bit more too, I would hope. Well, uh, I'm trying to think. Are we getting off topic here a little bit? A little bit. Um, so, you know, we're, we're concerned about – so <laughs> going back in time a little bit. We're concerned about technology taking jobs. Well, that that could be a concern. So, what is the impact? You know, what is the actual impact? What are the actual jobs and markets that will be targeted uh, 
by, by drones. So delivery. Um, will there be lower costs or is it just faster or, you know, you don't have to pay people, they don't have to pay for fuel, but they have to pay for electricity. Is it something like that? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I've consulted a lot in the delivery field and I've worked in supply chain before. So that's somewhere near and dear to my heart. And, and in fact, when we started, when when we were prepping for the show, you know, having consulted and I wanted to pick up the phone a good number of times um, and call a couple of companies and say, you know, are you looking at this already? Um, especially, uh, you know, courier services and third party logistics services. And, you know, I, I can tell you from consulting in that field and from having worked in that field in the past that, no, not a lot of people at the mid-sized company, um, whether we look at regional or national, unless we're talking about the big players, there's not a lot of um, R&D going into this right now. Well, yeah, the, the bigger companies are probably going to lead it because they can throw more weight behind it. But my question is, why? Is, it, is there truly that much of a cost savings you know you're buying you're doing r&d you're doing this purchase on a technical device is there that much savings over you know a salary and fuel absolutely i th i think so and and if not directly fiscally um, because, right, we're going to have differing opinions on that. People are going to have to run different numbers. And here's the bottom line. I want to be very cautious with that because it's going to take somebody deploying this and testing it to know the answer for sure because you yeah. and I could run the numbers 20 different times each and come up with 20 different answers each um, uh, uh, determining you know, the financial efficacy of this and the viability. Well, I'm sure they've run the numbers or they wouldn't be doing this. Right. And Walmart and Amazon wouldn't be throwing their weight behind it. So, I mean, I'm but sure But somebody's going to have to actually run it to know um, and, what the and, offset is. And the initial offset will probably be much lower than the final end result when things are optimized and better. But here's, here's sort of the core of the answer for your question. We've all ordered something online through a catalog over the phone. And if you track that product... How many times have you seen, oh, the the product is sitting in Memphis? <laughs> you know, I mean, Memphis is a big logistics hub. The products that you and I order tend to sit there, sometimes for hours, sometimes for days. And and other hubs across the country and across the world as well. I'm going to pick on Memphis, Memphis here a little bit. But if our product is stuck in Memphis, the question is, why is it stuck in Memphis? Well, it's waiting for... FTL, full truckload, or LTL, less than truckload, um, deliveries to be going out to the next uh, the next hub that it needs to go to. That's a horribly inefficient process. However, we have it worked out fairly well, right? So drones could be somewhat useful in that area getting efficiencies, but they're much more useful in what's called last mile delivery. Yeah, I was going to say, in a, in a big hub like that, um, I think it's not as efficient time-wise, but it's probably the most efficient resource-wise because you can't say, oh, we have this one pallet destined to go out to Florida. Should we wait for another pallet to come along or should – let's just send this one pallet right now. Right. right. Well, you're still going to – right, and I think you're describing that perfectly because you're still going <laughs> to do that. You're still going to say, listen, are we going to send this one pallet? You know, maybe we have a smaller drone. But one of the big problems, uh, at least that I experienced when I worked in that field, was was really the labor component of drivers can only drive X number of hours per day. 
and yep. not every driver is a co-driver situation where they can rotate driving responsibilities and have that you know little cot in the back of the truck. Um, other situations uh, can and it come up to where you know certain drivers aren't going to drive at a certain time of the day or they only take the route. I have seen situations where, and I'm not lying about this, major retail chains outsource their work to third-party logistics providers and that third-party logistics provider outsources it to one long-haul company. And that long-haul company has one driver that can do the particular route. I mean, we're talking supporting hundreds or thousands of retail locations. It's, it's kind of scary. I, I think a lot of these companies are looking at it because they know how weak the supply chain can be. I mean, just take a look at what happens when a port on the uh, Pacific Coast shuts down. So... That There are efficiencies to be had there, but the thing about last mile is instead of having to run drivers and trucks in every single metropolitan area, you can redeploy drones if you need, say, you know, we don't need them all in Tampa today, let's send them over to Orlando, we have a higher volume there, or let's bring more in because we have higher priority medical deliveries today, so we'll bring more drones in and get a timely delivery, um, so we can really pegged by the minute when things would be delivered. Uh, we don't need as much labor, or at least we can cap the amount of labor we already have in, and well, we I mean, don't I, need I, expensive vehicles. I do agree with the last mile, because everything I've ever read about uh, delivery or um, shipping is that the last mile is the most expensive. You know, This is why the Postal Service partners with people like UPS and FedEx, so that you know, hey, you have these efficient things for long-range transport. You know, help us out, and we'll help you out with that last mile stuff. Right. And I, and I realize that the last mile is definitely where drones are going to shine because currently it seems like, again, it goes with size and um, and duration. Like, how much could a drone carry? How long can it be in the air? Um, how high can it go? So, so those type of things are definitely going to affect where drones are used. Let me ask this question of you, and I want to. I'm just going to change pace here a little bit because, um, I think looking at the future, like you were trying to do earlier, is a really good angle. We talked about self-driving cars recently in a previous episode. Do you envision a future where planes um, no longer use pilots because it's safer to be a part of this automated system to where our to where our um, our transcontinental flights, our intercontinental flights, where we essentially replace the driver, quote-unquote, like we're trying to do with cars, we replace the pilot and go to a near-complete automated system over time. I definitely see that as a possibility. Um, I also... Yeah. It's a lot so harder like, to crash like, a plane 
if well, look at trains. you have look to look at like the hyperloop and trains. Um, what they're probably going to start doing is moving towards automated drivers. Do you do you need someone sitting there to keep to a schedule? Not always. I mean, there there's things that you need to react to, but right. they could probably automate that since it's on rails. Uh, they already have um, automated, you know, autonomous vehicles, uh, drones that can fly without uh, human intervention. Uh, th- there's even open source projects like ArduPilot. So people get Arduinos and they wire them into RC planes and there's software that's in the open source community that people develop on. And it can use GPS coordinates and you can plot waypoints and say, hey, I want you to fly this route. And the autopilot in the little Arduino has enough processing power and logic to fly that route. I mean, there's definitely safety concerns, but... I don't know how far out we're looking. I mean, we're we're almost to the point where you can do a road, and a road is a two-dimensional surface for, for the most part. Right. <laughs> like it's technically flat. You don't have to worry about up and down. You don't have to worry about stray birds and all that. So, or oxygen levels of your your crew and passengers and pressure. Uh, it's going to happen. Eventually, I don't see why it wouldn't. Cars, trains, planes. Um, just an example down the road where we're in Florida and uh, Walt Disney World. Um, apparently, I, I don't know if they've finished this project or not. Um, if anyone goes to Disney World and rides the monorail, I mean, who doesn't ride the monorail when they're there? Um, you'll see these little antennas that are on the side of the um, the beam now. And so, I, again, I don't know if this program's done and rolled out or not, but um, very transparently, Disney's been working on automating the monorails. And uh, I, if if I had to guess, I would assume, because this is a couple-year-old project now, I would assume that they're done and that they just have the um, pilots in there just in case, right, just like self-driving cars. But, but I mean, think of that for uh, Delta. Think of that for JetBlue. Yeah, I... I, I... <sighs> So we have traffic schedules, we have plane schedules, we have flights. They're routine uh, a lot of times. It's a schedule, it's a route, and they fly it back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Um, I, I realize, again, that there's a ton of variables involved, but moving forward into the future, I see that automation problem being solved. Uh, I see the... I mean, there are autopilots that can land a plane. Yes. There are autopilots that can f- fly waypoints and stuff. And and a lot of a lot of um, there are airplane control can, has uh, relies on that today, right? And they they can. I'm pretty sure they can take control of a plane remotely and and like help it land in case you know of an incident where uh, the pilots got incapacitated and you know air traffic control had to. I mean, yep, I'm not going to trust that on some of these 20-year-old planes I've been put on from some of the big U.S. carriers. Right. Um, but, but some newer planes may, may start being equipped with that type of uh, technology. But, but I, I, you know, I don't think um, things have been retrofitted. Yeah, a lot of it hasn't been retrofitted. But it's just how far along into the future do we have to wait for that? But, yeah, I see it happening. So why, mean, are, why are Facebook and Google buying into this so heavily. I mean, Google was testing in Australia. They acquired Titan Aerospace, which makes solar-powered drones, 
And speaking of solar-powered drones, Facebook acquired Essentia. They were a uh, British aerospace company also making solar-powered drones. Uh, we don't know how much Google spent on um, Titan, but we know Facebook spent about $20 million on Essentia. And well, why, why are these tech companies so all in on this? They're probably just trying to stay on the cutting edge of what's possible. I mean, Facebook bought Oculus Rift, so they're pushing for VR stuff. They've started live streaming through their site, you know, competing with like Twitch and YouTube. They're is Facebook you know, just grasping for whatever's next? Because I mean, why would a social media network? Why would this be logical for them? Google makes a little more sense because we know Google's so invested in mapping, and that's why they, they have. Because they don't always want to be a social media network. They want to be. Think about it. You can do if with VR and drones, you could do autonomous, uh, like telecommunications, like telepresence type thing. Maybe they're working on the next, you know, holodeck. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like they're just trying to push everywhere they can push. They're trying to beat AMD and Microsoft well, to the holodeck. Well, Google's doing it. I mean, Google's they they did glass. They were doing augmented reality. They're doing fiber, so they're doing hardware. They've been in. They have number numerous patents for phones and, and other devices. They have wearable tech. I mean, Google pushes in all the different directions at once. Google's a little easier. If I'm a if I'm a shareholder and I'm not of either of those companies, Google's yeah, well, a little now it's Alphabet. So right, Google out slash Alphabet. They're a little bit easier to understand. They want the world's information, right? And um, no, I didn't mean to paraphrase their actual mission, but um, they are after information. And you can get information delivered to you via something like Google Glass or um, drones uh, are a excellent for mapping and excellent for uh, real-time problem-solving in 3D space for whatever the situation may be. It's just Facebook. It's a little bit harder to reconcile with drones. Uh, you know, virtual reality was a stretch for some people. I think it makes sense because you want a virtual world to connect with people. But maybe you're, maybe you're right on that. Facebook may be signaling we don't always want to be this or we don't want to be limited to this. And they've well, signaled that before. I, I think businesses that say we only want to do this and we're only limit ourselves to this find themselves edged out over time. I don't know. I'm, here, here's, I'm going to give you a case in point and I'm going to switch industries for a moment. Nothing about drones, but how much of a horrible death was GoDaddy ready to die until they said, you know what? Nope. Here's one thing we're good at. Let's do it. We're going to be hosting in the domain name people. They weren't hosting people at the beginning. They were mainly domain name. They, no, they but they started the going name. off into all this marketing and they started doing all of this social. And then a couple of years ago, about a year or two ago, they retrenched and said, no, we're going back to our core. We're going to do hosting products. We're going to do domain products. And we're going to, um, you know, get people's resources deliverable on the web. And it's, it's from what I understand, paid off for them a little bit. Okay, but as a domain registrar... There are not an infinite number of competitors. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that is right. I don't want to go down. Never mind. I'm going to retract because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. When we go into domain resellers, it's like, oh, right, but they, who's reselling for it. who? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. Although GoDaddy is at the top level, so other people are reselling for them, not the other way around. But yeah, I, I, I retract. To open up the top level stuff, you had to have at least a million dollars 
and be able to support an infrastructure to sell domain names to other people. Yeah, so which they could easily do. They're so, at a certain level. That that's a bad example, in my opinion. Yeah, that, now that I think about it, it's a pretty bad example. So I'll move to I think what's going to be our last point on drones, at least for now, because I uh, we you know we talk about a lot of our topics that we're going to reconvene them in the future, and we will. This one I have a feeling will reconvene sooner than some of the other topics because. It should be this year when we get the FAA here in the United States giving us the rules and regulations for drones, and we're going to have to talk about that. I'm not seeing much coming through the news. I don't think the 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 um, uh, uh, the Senate Appropriations Committee had any big revelation from the FAA today. But what does somebody need to do if they want to start working with drones to actually work with them, right? understanding robotics and that type of stuff but that's not what i mean i mean what if you actually want to start flying them you either purchase a um, pre-made one or you start creating your own well you can get in trouble for doing this so i want to point out that Raphael perker i'm not mispronouncing that it's not parker it's perker Raphael perker was fined ten thousand dollars by the faa a few years back just a couple years actually He was flying a drone over the University of Virginia. He invented this drone, from what I understand, and flew it over the University of Virginia to get aerial shots for something he was filming. Uh, In fact, let me look at this. 2011. That's when it happened. 2011. Um, Since then, this $10,000 fine, the courts have dismissed it, saying that there are technically no laws that prohibit commercial drone utilization in the United States. That's okay. good precedent, but it's a very slippery slope. Well, um, there's also, just recently uh, in the news, a guy shot another drone, a guy's drone out of the air because he thought it was invading his personal space. <laughs> I've heard of a couple of drone shootings in the past, but I don't think I've heard one about invading personal space. That's yeah, funny. Th- this was very recently, and um, the judge just I read today, I believe, that the judge threw it out. This wasn't that city that back in like 2013 or 2012 declared that open season on drones had begun, right? That any drones they saw, they could shoot down? I don't think this, I don't think that was the city. No, okay. I could be wrong, but I don't think that was the city. No. Um, yeah, there was also, you know, the case of the guy who was like flying drones um over his apartment building or or house to to get like photographs i think he got a ticket or for, for that you know yeah i i need to find a specific case i do remember there was something in the news like ruby tuesdays or applebee's was going to have uh for valentine's day drones or no it's christmas drones flying around over the customers uh with mistletoe <laughs> And, you know, it's all uh, of these things you hear about, and we never, we don't even follow up on this. It's like, okay, that's a great marketing ploy. And, and but, it hit a customer. Um, well, see, there you go. <laughs> and and they uh, ended up getting like a cut or something from the blades. <laughs> that's got to be a weak cut. What did they do? Buy a $500 off the shelf drone and put mistletoe on it? That's got to be a pretty weak cut. They went I to Sharper Image. Yeah, yeah, they went to Sharper Image and they bought these little $500 ones and said, there, there you go. We'll RC it from the back. Well, one of the first commercial ones, you know, going back to the topic was how would you get into drones? Well, one of the very first ones that was commercially available was the Parrot, the Parrot AR. 
like you can go find a parrot for like two hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, there, there's cheaper, smaller, you know, like handheld, very little like quadcopters, but those are only for indoor use. Yeah. Um, the parrot, they're like a foot, foot and a half across. You can do those indoor or outdoor, and they have cameras. Well, indoors, um, you don't really have to worry about, of course. Um, right. I, I do want to put this out because I promised a conclusion, and I want to let people know. Uh, if you are looking to start working with drones, here's the bottom line. In the United States, you cannot operate a drone at any height without FAA approval. Now, just because we mentioned before, human-controlled craft must be above 500 feet, that doesn't mean that the space under 500 feet isn't regulated. That's different than what I found. So, uh, this is straight from the FAA. Well, uh, I was looking at the FAA rules from oh, I, 2012. Oh, no, these, these are these are current. The ones that just came out? Yeah, no, no, no the, uh, what I'm talking about are 2015. Okay, um, I thought you said that they didn't mean make the meeting to enable those. No, these are clarification. They, they, they don't have them out, right? And that's the problem. Everyone's waiting on, on the FAA to say what the legalization is going to be. Now, uh, this is what I, was, I saw was regards to model aircraft and things like that, which were under 55 pounds and in line of sight of the operator. Yeah, that's model aircraft. Five miles of an airport. That's model aircraft. If you buy a quote unquote drone, a drone and it has the RC remote and you go out and fly it, it's going to fall under those rules. So if it's a quadcopter, if you buy a quadcopter at Sharper Image, you fly it under under um, model plane rules. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to because there there are those that people fly. I'm talking about drones that completely autonomous that kind of go click click click. I want yeah, to that they can, well, you mentioned one before that you can pilot or you can set a route or you can let it go automated. Yeah, like right. the DJI Phantom. Right. The that's technically a a, a drone for all intents and purposes because otherwise we're just talking about an RC toy. Um, which, by the way, can be very useful. Um, but yeah, and so what I'm referencing are clarifications that the FAA issued a little bit earlier in 2015 this year to clarify what the existing laws were since they hadn't published the um, the upcoming stuff, the upcoming regulations. So we also mentioned that any commercial operations of a drone must be approved on a case-by-case basis. And here are the types of approvals that you can get. Commercial. Yeah, That's any commercial. Yeah, no. if, again, if you're going to go buy, if you're going to go buy a drone, and just fly it around manually, RC RC rules are are most likely going to apply. If you're going to buy a drone and let it go. Um, that's going to be a little bit more problematic because we've had a couple of cases this year where people have gotten in trouble for that or fined for that. For instance, firefighter, firefighters had to land um, some of their helicopters and planes while they were fighting a fire because drones were in the area filming the event. So uh, this is where most of us are doing absolutely nothing because we don't have clarity from the FAA. But here are the types of, of, of approval that you can get. If you're doing research... Uh, as a business, as let's say a university or whatever, you can get a certificate of experimental airworthiness. So you take your drone that you've created, you go to the FAA, and they say, all right, you can experiment with this. Here are the parameters. If you're looking for commercial approval, well, this was a WTF moment for me because I mentioned before that even the FAA's attempt to clarify the existing laws prior to the new rollout were confusing. So here's what I was able to pick up about commercial. There are only two models 
of drones that are pre-approved. There are some of the more popular models. I don't know them specifically. I'd have to look them back up. But only two models are approved for commercial use in the United States. However, this is what confused me. The FAA then started going off on a, on a paragraph or two about Arctic operations. I, okay. I have no idea where that came from or what they're talking about. So I don't know why I'm even asking the FAA to fly a drone in the Arctic like I would need their permission. Maybe there's some people in Alaska who want to go out and check things without going outside in the cold. That's a possibility, but that's going to be the only place that that would apply uh, to the United States. And get this. So if you are doing commercial utilization of drones, according to the old laws that exist prior to whatever new is going to come out later this year, hopefully, you still have to have pilots not necessarily in control of the project, but working with the project. And that just blows my mind because the only other way, other than that research, experimental airworthiness certificate, and this commercial case-by-case basis still having pilots working with you, the only other option is for public entities like the government itself or universities, and they can get what's called a certificate of waiver. But basically it is this quagmire in the United States of, I want to fly a drone, how the hell do I do it? And the FAA comes back with, we need to sit down with you person to person and determine this. And, and it, like you said, it can take over 100 days to even get that heard. Big news should be coming soon when they release that uh, those specs. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get clarifications on this. This one is from September uh, 22nd, 2015, uh, the article I'm looking at now. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much sums up. Drones must be under 55 pounds. Flights yes. need to take place during daylight hours. Visual sight. Um, observers may work with the visual observer, but the operator must be able to see it. Here's the part that I think a lot of people got upset about. Drones must be registered. And aircraft markings were required. <laughs> yeah, Operators must be 17 years old, pass an aeronautical knowledge test, hold an FAA... Uh, UAS operator certificate and pass a TASA background check. And let's be clear, here is what you're just describing. That's where we're talking about mm-hmm. you go to Sharper Image, you buy a little toy, you decide to go fly it around your neighborhood. That's where all of that's required, just like a model airplane. Yeah. that that And that's disturbing. Uh, the drone may not fly over people, <laughs> except those directly involved with the flight. See, this is where, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think, uh, listen, I think people are going to turn to us and look for some type of an answer, and our answer is we need to wait and see what the FAA says because if you're an individual and you have the drone, you fly it in your house, fly it in your backyard, you're probably fine. Um, Actually, they started going after people that were posting drone videos to YouTube. Don't post your own videos to YouTube until you know the new regulations. I'm just saying, that's one of the things the FAA was doing. They're going after people posting drone videos. That's really disturbing. Yeah. So, Um, where are we at with this? If we're an individual and we want to fly a drone, um, we really are waiting to see what the FAA is going to say. Other than that, we're going to go... field away from everybody else and don't record it. And don't record it. Don't let anyone see it. Hope that government drones aren't flying over to watch. Well, I sounded paranoid when I said that. (laughs) (laughs) 
if you're a business, right, and I wanted to cater a little bit more to that side, if you're wanting to do research, you get a certificate of experimental airworthiness. By the way, some uh, companies and universities are going to the extent to where now they're building giant cages to fly their drones around and with uh, or inside, or they're just doing drone research inside so they don't have to deal with this. Uh, that blew my mind as well of universities building giant cages for drone research. Um, wow. Yeah, some the FAA, hey, if you're listening, get off your ass and let's get this done because we really are being held up in this in this research. I'll drop the mic, get off my soapbox, <laughs> and uh, just ask one more thing. Anything right. else? Anything else that we put in this episode before we wait and see what the FAA says and uh, reconvene on the topic? No, not that I can think of at this point. Okay. Well, sorry, folks. I think we have to end it there. And, I mean, we're, we all just do a collective sigh of uh, relief that no more torture of what law applies where and how and all of that. But then we all kind of just... Shrump, uh, slump our shoulders over and say, well, I guess we can't have much resolution, at least here in the United States, until the FAA gets up and um, publishes what their, uh, what their recommendations and requirements are going to be. Yeah. That's okay. Just keep looking at the rest of the world. Smile and wave as their drones look at you and, uh, and uh, cry a little tear about American innovation being gone. Should we take it that far? I'm... I want to see, you know, people play around with drones. I want to see us pushing the boundaries to figure out what we can do with them. And, and just because uh, a university might get a, you know, research exemption, some kid in his garage, you know, playing around with a drone or or building something might come up with some idea that we never thought of. And that's exactly why I'm not going to say yes to my previous question because the feeling of excitement around drones is absolutely it's almost measurable. You can you can feel people's interest, you can sense people's interest. People want to get their hands on these devices whether it's just for personal use or to start experimenting commercially or for business applications. We really are heading to a, a, a brand new era, era with drone technology, just this new field of robotics that's blooming like crazy. And the thing is, we are not that far behind everyone else. How many commercial delivery flights are there of drones? A handful worldwide. That's it. Agriculturally, yeah, we've got some, some catch-up work to do, but crime prevention... I mean, that's just being discussed in certain cities now, and the, the ethics and the legality are still being debated. We really aren't that far behind. If we can get a good set of requirements, rules, regulations, whatever, later this year, I think we'll be doing just fine, or or at least early 2016. There is one thing I want to do with a drone. I, I've, if I'm ever driving around in a truck, I want a drone that's in my truck bed. And so when people are tailgating me or if I'm at a stoplight, I can press a button and it just lifts out of the bed and has like a little LED sign that shows messages. And then it lands and I drive off. I can't top that. I've <laughs> got to say goodbye to everyone out there. Email us, feedback at multinewmedia.com. Uh, go to our website, multinewmedia.com. Take a look at each episode page. We have comment section there because the show may be ending or at least this episode of it. Hope hope the show isn't ending. This episode may be ending, but the conversation's just beginning. So go to multinewmedia.com and uh, stay in touch with us. Chris, 
thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.